Welcome to this edition of the Ambition Podcast, sponsored by Canvas by Instructure. I'm David Woods-Hale, Director of Marketing and Communications at Amber and BGA. The Canvas Learning Management Platform is developed and fully supported by Instructure, which is a software-as-a-service technology company dedicated to education, learning, and employee development. Canvas delivers an open, extensible learning ecosystem that allows institutions to build in a digital learning environment that meets the unique challenges they face. It aims to simplify teaching, evaluate learning, and eliminate the headaches of supporting and growing traditional learning technologies. Canvas is made up of a powerful set of highly integrated learning products that allow institutions to address teaching and learning requirements with technology and innovation. And on the topic of technology and innovation, last month I caught up with Melissa Lobel, the Vice President of Platform and Partnerships at Instructure, to talk about how tech will change the landscape of higher business education. I was really interested to hear her views on what business goals might look like in the future and what tech innovations she's interested in now and tomorrow. Well, hi, Melissa. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me today for the Ambition podcast. I thought it might be useful if we perhaps start the interview um, with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your career. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's truly an honor and a pleasure to be here. So I uh, have the pleasure of leading customer success for Instructure, the company that produces Canvas, among other educational technologies. I've spent, oh gosh, about 20, 25 years in educational technology, uh, generally focused on implementing technologies to successfully support uh, robust online learning programs. I've done that both at the institution side as well as the uh, technology company side. And then I've also taught for the last 25 years, all online as well. Okay, thank you. I think the focus of this interview is very much about the future of, of business schools and how the fourth industrial revolution is changing the way that business schools provide programs. How do you sort of see that emerging in, in the work that you're doing? How do you think the fourth industrial revolution is really sort of making changes across the business school environment? Yes, I think the fourth industrial revolution is making two profound changes in the business school environment. One, it's putting into question what we're teaching in business school to our students and how are making sure that what we're teaching aligns to the skill sets that will be a key part of this fourth industrial revolution. The, the skill sets related to analytics, continuing focusing on problem solving, being able to apply data decision, uh, data decisions and uh, processes, all of that is critical in our curriculum for uh, business school students to support that fourth industrial revolution. At the same time, we're seeing institutions need to also address the fourth industrial revolution in how they're delivering education. So they need to be leveraging, and, and we can do this in a lot of meaningful ways, but we need to be leveraging the technologies that are coming forward and that can help change how, how business schools do their business as well as what they're teaching their students. So you touched there on how business schools need to make changes in order to, to leverage, I suppose, the technologies available in the fourth industrial revolution. How do you think business schools can better adapt to online learning, for example? If business schools can leverage online learning or even really adapt to online learning by rethinking both how they're presenting their curriculum, as well as how they're leveraging technologies that students will need to be using when they go out into the workplace once they graduate. So those are two ways they can adapt. When we think about um, 
leveraging uh, technologies, particularly that students will need once they enter the workforce, that can be everything um, related to how to solve problems or to host collaborations or discussions or develop new innovation at a distance, for example. I mean, in today's time, especially, this is becoming more and more important and a critical skill set. So it's things like that, that that business schools can do in order to adapt to online learning. They can also um, uh, embrace how they build their curriculum and rethink not just online learning as a way to deliver content, but online learning as a way to deliver experiences that they may not have been able to deliver before because of physical distance limitations. And I suppose in terms of that experience, how can business schools then increase the engagement of students during remote learning? Engagement is, can be really challenging in remote learning. There's a couple of things business schools can do to ensure engagement with, with students. Um, and one of those, and I would say this is probably the most important, is continuing to personalize the experience for students. And I don't necessarily mean personalize in that every student has their own learning path. I mean more that students are connected with uh, from the very beginning, even before they start their education in the business school. So doing things like ensuring that staff members have connections with those students on a regular basis, ensuring that there's a, a moment in the beginning of each course or each learning component, depending on how the business school structures their, their curriculum, for students to connect with the faculty and more importantly, one another. Creating opportunities to replicate the networking um, experiences that are so rich in business school. I remember that from when I went to business school and how important it was that that interaction with my fellow students in between classes and in between learning activities or my interaction with guest speakers or outside experts that would come to campus to do various activities. Making sure that you replicate all of that will also help drive that engagement. And once again, you need to be thinking about doing that as a business school from the very beginning, even during that admissions, admissions process, because it will, it will anchor somebody quickly to their experience at the institution. And then you can just build on that engagement from there. I mean, you've hit a really important point there. I think that for MBA cohorts in particular, the networking is, is such a, an important facet of, of the overall course. Um, do you have any practical advice for, for business schools in terms of keeping those networking opportunities in place when moving programs online? Yeah, networking opportunities um, are the perfect example of where to bring technology in because we do this in our daily lives. Think about how we network through our own social technologies. We've, we've adapted to that uh, as individuals and as humans in the world today. And so taking some of those same kinds of practices and experiences and even sometimes same technologies can be really valuable within the business school setting to encourage that networking. So for example, you could leverage um, video conferencing, right? Many of us may FaceTime or use Skype or WhatsApp or something like that in order to connect with uh, our, our friends. Well, thinking about that in the same way in a business school, you could use a, a web conferencing solution like a Zoom or a WebEx or whatever you might use. You could use that and have regular network meetups. But not just having it available for that networking is important. Also is important is how you facilitate that. So having uh, either um, leaders from the institution itself or student government leaders or however you're structured have 
very deliberate plans for how you conduct those networking activities, at least the beginning of them, so that over time they can have a life of their own, but it's not this sort of awkward initial engagement uh, or, or misunderstanding of how potentially to engage by students. And that's just one example of how you can use technology to support that networking. You can also use course management systems, learning management systems, however you might be delivering your actual online curriculum to create independent courses that are focused specifically on networking. And then individual instructors can tap into those experiences and have as part of their own curriculum uh, networking actions that students are participating in and, and building those skills both with one another as well as with the broader community around the institution that brings so much expertise. Absolutely. We've talked a lot about opportunities that the fourth industrial revolution presents for business schools and lots of exciting ideas there, but no opportunity comes without a challenge. So what in your opinion do you think is the biggest challenge associated with business schools moving their programs online and you know, what sort of solutions have you seen that business schools have been putting in place to address these? I, I see two major challenges for business schools. One, it is the ability to rethink curriculum, not just think about how to take curriculum and make it available remotely. So with all that's happened, particularly related to COVID and uh, the world's response to that in education, what we've done as just a larger educational uh, industry is we've transitioned what we've done traditionally in our curriculum into a remote environment. Oftentimes that means quickly building or, or accessing content that you would normally present in person in a class and then trying to replicate class discussions and, uh, and the work submission process online. Well, that's transferring remotely. To truly be in an online environment, it's actually rethinking your curriculum. And I think that's a challenge for institutions because that takes effort um, and a fair amount of effort. And right now you're having to move pretty quickly in order to both respond to world events as well as this fourth industrial revolution. A key fundamental piece of the fourth industrial revolution is quick transformation. And that's, I think, the second challenge for institutions. Uh, business schools in general aren't really um, fast moving in, in the sense of the way the world is moving now when they think about how to change their curriculum, how to change programs, how to alter content, how to alter approaches. It's not just what an individual faculty member does in their particular learning component. It's more broadly how that learning component relates to an entire experience that students will have. And that takes crafting and that takes a little bit of time. You can move really fast, but I think that the fact that it does take time and that it does challenge us to take a lot of risks as institutions. And we're trained at institutions. I worked in, a, in two different business schools and in both of them, we're trained to deliver perfect. We're not trained to, to, to deliver on a lot of risk. But risk is, is part of the world and it's part of the skill set that our, our students need. So getting institutions to overcome that uh, desire to be perfect and to, to be hesitant to take risks and fail is going to be a significant challenge as well. I mean, I love that line of thinking about risk. And I think we absolutely live in the age of innovation where we should be encouraging each other to take more risks and fail fast. Um, but I think with that in mind, there's a huge debate around innovation in the age of technology and a debate about whether technology can stifle um, innovation. And I'm interested to know your thoughts on whether you think that in terms of creativity, 
technology is an enabler and inspiration, or it can indeed um, stifle creativity and that way of thinking. I am absolutely in the camp that technology uh, can drive innovation and can drive creativity. What technology does is it gives us an opportunity to step back and rethink what we're doing. And in that moment, in and of itself, regardless of whether or not we leverage that particular technology or, or how we apply it, the fact that it's giving us a moment to rethink what we're doing and to think about specifically the actions that we've done in the past and how does that relate to where the future may go should inspire creativity. And then back to, to the earlier comment about taking risks. I firmly believe that embedded in risk-taking is creativity. You can't take risks without being creative. You can't foster creativity without taking risk and without letting people fail fast. So all of that to me, um, technology just opens the door for the conversation. And then the conversations, what drives the innovation and ultimately uh, creates a spirit of creativity within the business school and just more broadly within the way uh, we're developing curriculum for, for students for this fourth industrial revolution. Yeah, absolutely. That brings me perfectly to my next question, um, which is around sort of, I guess, creativity, innovation within the business school context. And I'm just going to quote some research that, that Amber has discovered. Last year, we, we surveyed more than 400 uh, business school leaders from all over the world. And they said 77% of them said that business schools will fundamentally have to change. And in particular, the MBA will have to fundamentally change over the next decade. Do you agree that that will be the case, that the fundamentals of the MBA will, will change dramatically? And if so, how do you think that change is going to be realized? So I, I, I can see where the fundamentals of the MBA will need to change. I think, though, it depends on how we, how we think about fundamentals. So if we, if we look at where, where students need to be in, in you know, just the short next couple of years, and a lot of the research done around the Fourth Industrial Revolution by the World Economic Forum and others, and um, if we look at that, and we, we ask ourselves, what's core to being successful? I think about this in my own role. I think about this in the teams of MBA students that I've worked with in my current role uh, as they've worked through a capstone project. And those, those, those skills still need to be there, that, that problem solving skill that we've taught, that critical thinking skill, that understanding of a broader strategy and then how that relates to tactics, the operations level of skills and, and how, and then on top of that, how to lead people. All of those skills are important. And I would say that's part of the fundamentals and we need to continue to focus on those, but where we need to make changes. And this is where I see where the fundamentals and how we deliver them need to change profoundly is in what the experiences or the context that we set around those fundamentals look like. Because the way students need to be prepared for the work environment is very different today than it was five years ago or 10 years ago, or even when I went to my, when I was doing my MBA. Students need to be able to, um, once again, as I mentioned before, problem solve, collaborate, uh, lead at a distance. Even if we go back to the office, the way business is shaped is, is going to have been changed forever. And that remote component will be stronger than ever, even if only partially the experience that a student will have once they go into their, their next uh, career stage. So, so that, remote, that remote 
business leading is critical. Similarly, how we apply data has changed. In the past, it's been how do you get at data and how do you parse through that data and how do you get stories out of that data? I think now it's much more about how do you find the data that's necessary in the huge heaps of data that's out there? How do you find what's important as opposed to how do you just get at it from the beginning? And then how do you take that data and quickly apply it into a rapidly transforming world? Um, in the past, many of the contexts that students had to apply their learning in, it wasn't about rapid transformation, it was just about transformation. This is some of the courses I took and one of them that I taught. Now it's about rapid. How do, we, how do we respond quickly and how do you learn from that response? And those are just a couple of examples around how some of those basic fundamentals may still be there, but it's the context and the environment, the community in which those fundamentals live in that need to dramatically change as business schools evolve their curriculum for uh, the fourth industrial revolution. We actually asked business schools this question as part of the same survey. So we, we asked them if they thought that they were confident, if, if business school leaders were confident that their MBAs were ready to meet the needs of the, the world's biggest tech employers. And 60% of business school leaders say that they are. Would you agree with that? Do you think that MBAs are in a position to meet the needs of, of the tech employers of the world, the Apples, the, that sort of caliber of organization when they graduate? Or do you think there's more work to be done there? I do think there's more work to be done there, but I, I, I agree that in principle, um, many programs are preparing students for the technology workforce, the technology workplace of tomorrow. Where I think there are gaps are the business schools that haven't yet uh, taken that student's learning experience and embedded it in a, in a technology environment. So I think about Again, the the capstone student, the capstone project students that I I've worked with over the last couple of years, and it's so interesting to watch them as they work through their project over a semester or over a term, take uh, what they're learning in their class. And I often get students just after their first year, if we're thinking of a traditional MBA program that's two years or or something like that. Let's just use that as an example. I often get students after their first year, and it's so interesting to see them. Uh, at the very beginning, use very uh, formal approaches to how they're applying. And by the time they get a couple weeks into that capstone project, how they start to change even how they interact with us in a technology company, how they go proactively find the information and craft the solutions that they're working on directing, um, and how they start to understand how different technologies piece together and how reliant we are on some of the fundamentals around using technology uh, within, a, within a technology workplace. So, so I think that for those institutions that are um, sending students out there, embedding them, giving them experiences that are directly related to what the technology companies are doing today and where we see those companies going in the future, especially the big employers, like you said, Apple, Google, and so forth. Um, that is where they're prepared. When you don't have opportunities like that, I think going into the workplace, coming fresh off of an MBA in whatever shape it was delivered is going to be uh, a bit jarring and it's going to be a a bigger learning curve out of the gate if you haven't understood the experience of how those companies operate. And I suppose considering the, the current environment we're in, we've talked a lot about the uncertainty and the complexity of the environment, but we've also talked about business schools as one homogenous group. 
But at the same time, they're individual organizations that are competing to attract students and demonstrate a USP in the market. So how do you think that business schools can differentiate their offerings to appeal to students over the competition in, in a very saturated market across the world? Yeah, competitiveness among business schools, it, I think it's, it, it continues to become harder when we look at an online or a remote experience because so much of what's been baked in in the past to differentiation among schools is the actual on-campus experience that you may have. Even if you're doing an executive MBA or you're doing a, a part-time program or you're doing it online, still being able to come to the physical class, physical campus to interact with guest speakers in a physical way, to, um, to participate in career activities in a physical way, to, to network, as we talked about earlier. All of that has been, and, and, and the structure of the campus and the technologies and the classroom shapes and all of that has been a competitive element among business schools. And the more we transition online or remote, the more we're going to sort of decrease the value of that element. I'm not saying a, a campus won't become important, but it'll become important in a different way. And so what, what business schools are gonna to need to be thinking about, at least from my experience, is how do we differentiate at a distance? And one of those is the access to the broader community relative to your content expertise. So if you're a business school known for, in particular, your finance expertise or your leadership expertise, and those might be you know, key fundamentals and you're, you're differentiated based on, on that in your curriculum, you should be bringing the world's leaders related to um, those areas, finance, leadership, and you should be having access to those leaders within embedded curriculum activities. And that's just one example of how you can differentiate this. It's bringing the world to the students at a distance, which now at a distance, it might be much easier to have access to those folks. You should also be thinking about as a, as a business school, looking at who you're attracting, who's the population that you want to attract, and are you attracting that population, and really understanding their characteristics and what's important to them when it comes to the workplace. And then thinking about how your curriculum adapts to that. So if you tend to produce students that go into management consulting type of work, how do you bring the fundamentals of working successfully in a management consulting firm into the way you deliver your curriculum so that when it comes time for students to go potentially explore that work, they are already ahead of all of the other students because they're prepared and they can relate to that experience. Or even if you're doing executive MBA programs and you're, you're developing executives, helping to understand why they're there and be able to relate directly to that with the kinds of resources and curricular experiences you bring will be key. So I think it's gonna be even more of an emphasis on curriculum. It's gonna be even more emphasis on how do you bring the world to those students and it's going to be more of an emphasis on how are you very practically preparing students for the careers that your particular student body is looking for. Sure. So I think it's fair to say that at the moment, the world's facing unprecedented times. And certainly where I am in the UK, we're about 12 weeks into lockdown and because of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. And in many ways, there's been a lot of benefits. For me, it's certainly made the world a smaller place. It's enabled me to think differently about how I communicate. I'm able to talk to, to you at the moment in the US um, very easily. And that, that's been a wonderful thing. It's made the world a little bit of a smaller place. But um, three or four months ago, business schools were forced to take a lot of their courses online very quickly. Um, 
And business school leaders that I've spoken to over the past number of weeks have said they've moved from a crisis situation at the start of the lockdown towards a more strategic mindset now, looking forward, coming up with great ideas for, for the future. So with that in mind, many schools did have to move online very quickly due to COVID-19. But going forward, do you think there'll be a lasting impact in business schools from coronavirus that will actually serve them in a positive sense and, and will have some success stories that we can look back on this time next year? I absolutely think and hope that this will drive incredible innovation in business schools and that even in a short year, we'll be able to look at back on it and say, wow, I got over the hump as a business school of just getting my curriculum online. I got there. I'm remote now. That took a big burden and a lift off of my shoulders. Now I can take a look at that curriculum and I can ask myself, myself how as a, as a business school can I deliver that better? And how can I leverage the fact that everyone's in the same boat, everyone's facing a new world? So as I mentioned before, this is a great time to take risks. Students will understand it. Um, faculty who oftentimes, and, and I'm one of them, you know, it can be difficult sometimes to take risk or to make change because you may not think your institution supports you or it's a lot of work. But we're at a time where, where people can do that work or are motivated to do that work or are inspired because when they transitioned online or transitioned remotely, they suddenly had this discussion. They can say, wow, that worked with my students. And that actually worked better than what I used to do in my classroom. They can have these aha moments and then that can inspire more work and more development and more progressive growth, all because we're in a world where we're all doing things that we've never done before. And risk is a lot easier in those worlds. It's a lot less comfortable when you know if you do things the same way over and over again and you're successful, that's safe. Well, there's no, there, it, we don't have that anymore. And so being able to, 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 to leverage the fact that everybody is in uncertain times and that everybody's realizing risk is happening. Everybody's embracing failure or failing. And so that will allow us to innovate quicker and to um, really kind of look at those happy moments. That's the other thing I, I, I really enjoy. There's a number of different um, uh, uh, folks out there that have delivered videos where they gather up all of the great stories of humanity coming together. We're focusing on that more than ever as people. We're talking about the good. We're trying to keep people's spirits up while there's so much change happening. Highlighting the good is also a great way to drive innovation. It allows for people to get inspired, to get creative, and to also know that, hey, we can make change happen and it's not that so maybe I'm very positive and hopeful, but I think all of that and sort of the spirit of the world today will bring us to a place where we're going to look back a year from now as business schools and say, oh my gosh, look at all of that great change that's happened um, in how I deliver my curriculum in the way technologies, I think about our own technology. Oh my gosh, our, our solution, while I believe it was great um, before the, the pandemic hit, it is so much better now because we're we're being able to, we're able to respond to so much more input in the way it's being used. And technologies are doing that across the board as well. So all of us will be coming together with this, with this innovation, I believe, because of the rapid change that's happening and the welcoming environment to that rapid change. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's tough times, but there's a lot of reasons to feel optimistic and hopeful right now. 
just to finish the interview, um, bit of a curveball question. Um, you're a person that's got your ear very close to the ground when it comes to technology and, and developments in, in innovation and education 4.0. What technological innovations are you particularly excited about for the future? Technology, okay, so, I, you know, I'm excited about, this is a good question, I'm excited about, um, I'm excited about seeing how technology handles mass users that are simultaneously trying to experience that technology, both in the same way and in different ways. And so here's what I mean by that. We are seeing, um, in education in particular, uh, technology is often used in an asynchronous way. Now that's the except, with the exception of web conferencing, but generally in our curriculum development and in our, in our instruction, we use technologies for students to interact with them individually or one another, but, but asynchronously. And we're now seeing, because of this rapid transformation to remote, everybody coming together synchronously. And whether it's accidental or deliberate, it's happening. And technologies are gonna have to innovate around that experience and they're gonna have to facilitate that experience. So I think about learning management systems. Well, while we're not a, you know, as, as I work for one, while, while we're not an innovation as a result of, of the pandemic or of all of the change happening with the fourth industrial revolution, Embedded in our product, we will need to respond to that. We will need to find ways to bring more students together synchronously um, in unique ways to experience that learning and to, to personalize that learning than ever before. So I think I'm excited about this. I, I 15 years ago, I, I taught a course where we used a chat room and we, we would do an hour synchronous session in a chat room. So the original version of web conferencing. And the, the kinds of conversations and the kinds of, of um, creativity that flowed through idea generation in those spaces was tremendous. And I think to my teaching, and I think, gosh, over the years, I've done less and less of that because technology just affords this asynchronous experience. And I really would like to get back to that synchronous experience, not just in web conferencing, but in other technologies. So I'm excited about the innovations in technology that come related to that. Um, you know, I think some of the big platforms have done work around that, the LMSs, Microsoft with Teams, Zoom continues to innovate on how their web conferencing tool also embeds synchronous Slack, for example, all of those technologies and how they're being applied to education to facilitate that synchronous um, experience is, is something that I'm really, really excited about. I'm also excited because it's, it's putting forward the question around user experience more robustly. So for technologies to survive in the ed tech space now, they can't just be okay and deliverers of content. They actually need to be in and of themselves great learning experiences. The bar is much higher. And I'm excited for that because then that's gonna get technology out of the way for students, if that makes sense. If you have a great learning experience, you don't pay attention to it as much. You really focus on the learning. But if you have a mediocre technology experience, you're going to get annoyed by the fact that it took you eight clicks to get somewhere or this one thing you have to sign in for separately from this other thing. This, this idea that learning experiences are going to be so much more valuable will drive technology out of the way so we can focus more on that on the learning. So I think those are probably the two things I'm, I'm most excited to see evolve in the next year.
Well, Melissa, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. So thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me today, for sharing your practical advice, your insight, and also your optimism. Thank you. And also thank you very much to Canvas and to Instructure for supporting us with this podcast. We are really grateful for the support and for the insight that you're able to share with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was truly a pleasure to talk with you today. Well, thanks once again to Melissa for taking the time to talk to me today and also from Canvas by Instructure for sponsoring this podcast. If you want to find out more about them, just visit www.instructure.com forward slash canvas.